Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. We're in week two of Move Again. And in this week's message, we're turning our attention to the way in which God wants to move again in our own hearts. I don't know if you are like me, but I'm tired of dealing, I guess, with the same sin or lacking the same spiritual fruit or just going through the motions over and over again. Thank you, Jackie. We want and we need a move of God to revive in our own hearts. This is the beginning point of revival in our cities. God desires that a transformation occurs in our lives. He is such a good God, and He never wants to leave us where we are at. He wants us to grow in Him, because you are so precious to Him. He wants and has the best for you. See, when God moves, people's lives are transformed. Whose lives have been, whose life has been transformed because you met and encountered God? I'm going to share a story, and you may have heard of this man before, and I'm going to put a photo up behind. Um, his name is Nicky Cruz, so bear with me as we read and hear about his story. Nicky Cruz was born in December 1938 to one of 19 children. What a woman. His parents were actively involved in the occult, so bloodshed and mayhem were a common occurrence in his life. He suffered severe physical and mental abuse at the hands of his parents and his mother even declared him the son of Satan. When he was 15, Nicky's father exiled him to live with an older brother in New York City. Nicky was full of rage and anger. He soon left his brothers to take his chances on the streets. By age 16, he became a member of the notorious Brooklyn street gang known as the Mau Mau's. And within six months, he'd risen through the ranks and he became the warlord, ruling the streets as a leader. Nicky Cruz was known to have stabbed up to 16 people during his time as a gang member. Nicky, lost in the cycle of abuse, alcohol and brutal violence, his life took a tragic turn for the worse when his best friend died in his arms. Nicky's cruises, violent reputation grew and so did his haunting nightmares. He was arrested countless times um, and he was destined for prison, the electric chair or hell. Then he met a skinny country preacher named David Wilkerson. Wilkerson was running a gospel meetings aimed at reaching the youth gangs in the New York City. Nicky, Nicky was disarmed because he encountered something that he'd never encountered before, relentless love. Nicky bet David up, or beated him up, spat at him and seriously threatened his life, to which Nicky, which Wilkinson replied, you could cut me up into a thousand pieces and lay them in the street and every piece will still love you. Maybe you've seen the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade, Run, Baby, Run. These words shook Cruz to the core, and for two weeks he couldn't sleep as the words were played over and over in his thoughts. Cruz attended another of Wilkerson's youth meetings, and at the end of which he and several other gang members surrendered their life to Jesus. His life would be changed forever, he called. And he says this, when I opened my eyes, 
I got a new heart. I'd been born again. I am a child of the Lord. Such was a transformation that occurred. Cruz and some of the gang members who were converted went to the police, turned in all their bricks, handguns and knives, shocking the police to their core. Cruz left the gang life and began to pursue God's call for his own life. For 60 years, Cruz has been using his testimony to reach people all over the world and it is estimated that he has spoken to more than 10 of millions of people, sharing the good news of the gospel and the power of the transformation that occurred in his life. Wow, what can we learn from this story, from Nikki Cruz's story? I know in my own life, if you think about it, God's done a transformation in my life, and I know he has done a transformation in many people's lives here today. But Nikki Cruz is a vivid example of the way in which God moves to lead people from salvation to transformation. God took a man who was knocking at the gates of hell and he saved him, forgave him, changed him and gave him a new life and a new purpose. You are in this room today. If you don't yet know Jesus, he has a new life and he has a new purpose for you today. This is the wonder of God. He doesn't take bad things and make them good. He takes dead things and he makes them alive. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. What I love about that is it says anyone, anyone. You might be sitting here thinking, you don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what thoughts have been through my mind. What I love about Christ is that he takes anyone. Yes, I don't know what you've done this week, but he does. But I know that he can take your life and make it a new life and give you purpose. You will never be the same. The day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus, a new life begins. Here is a a key question for us today. Are you still on a journey of change and transformation or has that journey stopped? So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, you know, you look back at your life from today to the day that you said yes to Jesus, conversion, I'm sure there has been a lot of change. And we can praise God for that. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ since the age of five. I can see that God has done a lot of change in my life. And I believe there's many people here that you could say, yes, God has done so much in my life. This is who I used to be, but this is who I am now because of him. But let's just imagine, and we can probably all relate. You're someone who's been a Christian for maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, maybe 30 plus years, 30 plus years, 40 plus years. A question for you here today is, have you been transformed in the last two years? Or what about even the last year? Or the last six months? Or even the last three months? Are we moving to be more like Jesus? Are you sensing his presence in your everyday life? Are you growing closer to him and having the master over our selfish desires or fleshly things? Are you bearing more fruits of the spirit than you were when you first met him or even six months ago? 
What are those things that might be lodged or stuck in your heart that's just remained? Maybe those things of bitterness or hurt or envy or pride or addictions or habits or sin issues. Well, they're all sin issues really, aren't they? What about apathy, indifference or spiritual coldness or numbness to what God wants to do? Often we think we need to be only transformed from those bigger ticket items, alcohol, drugs, anger. But often God wants to come and work on those smaller ticket items and work in our hearts because it's often the things internally before we see the outworkings externally. What are the things missing in your soul and in your heart that used to be there when we first believed in Jesus? That passion, that passionate love that we had when we first met him. What about the brokenness for the lost or the hunger and desire for his presence? David says this prayer in Psalms and it's asking and he has a self-heart examination. Let's look at the verse, Psalms 139. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Can that be our prayer today? That God would point out or that we'd even allow him to point out and we'd stop and pause and be like, God, is there anything inside my heart that is stopping you or stopping me from moving forward or a move again? God wants to start in our hearts. See, transformation continues after salvation. We saw that in Nikki's light story. What an amazing transformation that he had. But the call of God on our lives is that we would practice regularly that kind of self-examination and that we would continue to pursue and experience that transformation power every single day. Not just the day of salvation, but every single day. Interesting, um, must have been a couple of years ago or last year, I was walking the dog and um, I had a bit of an encounter with a lady and her dog. And I remember in that moment, I might have said a couple of heated words to her and walked off the opposite direction. Because, you know, dogs, owners, we all love our dogs a lot. And um, as I'm walking and I'm like, God, like, like just walking, didn't think anything of it, frustrated at this woman. And then in my heart, there was this like, how you spoke to her and what you said, Rachel, like you need to apologize. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, I'll just see, you know what, I might go a different route home or blah, blah, blah. Because I'm like, it was honestly not that massive if you think about it, you know. But I was like, nope, okay. I'm like, okay, God, if I see this woman who I've never met before, I will apologize and speak to her. So I turned around, headed back, but God, only if I see her, that's it, only if I see her. And long behold, there was a woman with her dog coming back towards me. And I went over to the woman, got past, and then we got into like direct line. I'm like, oh, hold on a moment. I just really feel to apologize to you. The way that I spoke to you was quite rude and um, I am sorry. And the point of the story is, it's often the small things in our heart. You know, sometimes we can think it's the bigger things, the bigger sin issues, but often it can be that God wants to work on those smaller things in our heart. And that's why I shared that story, because always allow God, always allow room for him to speak to you and have that self-examination. 
Ephesians 4.17 says, With the Lord's authority I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are helplessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts towards him. They have no sense of shame. They live for the lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this isn't what you learned about Christ since you've heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Let, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul says we are each called to put off our sinful nature. I guess like taking off a shirt and putting on the new shirt that he has for us. And we are to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitude. So you are being renewed in the Spirit in your minds. Renewed in this verse is a present tense. It is a continuing process that happens in our lives. We are constantly being renewed in our mind. So transformation is to be experienced now. Transformation is to be experienced today, not just in the past. So we're going to move on. So how can we move on? For God to move again in our hearts, it must start first here. Our series that we're in, as I said before, we're week two of this incredible series. But as a church, we're crying out for God to move again. We're crying out for a move of his spirit across this church. We're crying out for God to move again in our own hearts today. See, God is interested. He is so interested in revival in our churches. He wants to see it overflowing. He wants salvation altar calls overflowing. God is so interested because he is so interested in people He's interested in seeing revivals in our cities, and we're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. But he is also so interested in you as an individual. He is so interested in what is going on in here. See, it's not proper for us to believe for his transforming power out there if we're not allowing him to get in here. We must be willing and engaged for him to allow him to move. In Isaiah 58, um, we're going to read five verses here. Isaiah 58, 2 to 7. And this is um, a, a message through the prophet Isaiah. And God is exhorting and reprimanding his chosen people, the people of Israel. And this is what God says. Verse 2. My people act so pious. <laughs> They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation. They would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We, verse 3, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice. And I tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves but even while you fast, you are keeping oppressing your workers. 
What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarrelling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Verse 5, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress up in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Verse 6, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. I won't hide from your mum and dad. <laughs> God's word pierces our heart. We can't simply be fasting for external things while ignore what God wants to do inside with the corruption and the sin. So what does God need to do to move in your heart today? What does God need to do to move in my heart today? What is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit wanting to say and move upon you? What are the things or the words that are holding you back? What is keeping you bound today? And you know, in this time, we're going to today ask God. It's amazing when we actually stop and ask God, he responds. It's pretty amazing. Who would have thought? But when we stop and we ask God, like, God, what's holding me back? What's keeping me from moving forward? Or what's keeping me from, from, a, from your move again, Lord? What is holding me back? And I know that he will just point it out in that stop, that little whisper voice. Like when I was walking on the beach and he was like, the way that you spoke to that woman wasn't right. Maybe God will speak to you when you're at home and you're having an argument with your parents. Maybe God will just, if you allow him, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't have spoken that way or spoken to your teacher that way. Maybe when you're at the checkout and you're speaking to someone and you're rude to someone and you're passing by, will we allow God to speak to us? Maybe there's attitude or hurt or resentment or fear. If we allow God, he will come and move in our hearts again. See, this is the good news. The good news is that God is not done with you yet. There is so much more. You have not reached your expiration date, people. There is so much more. God wants to bring freedom and life in a new way as he moves again in your heart and as he moves again in my heart. Because why? Because there is more. Philippians 2. Dear friends, you also followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it's even more harder, more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. From that verse, we see that he has gifted us with two gifts, desire and power. Isn't it amazing? Desire is such a powerful force, if you think about it. Desire, um, I am fasting sweet foods and chocolates certain days of the week. And oh my goodness, the desire to eat that chocolate is hard. We just had to eliminate it from the household, though I do know where all the secret stashes are because I hid the secret stashes. But that desire can be really strong. 
See, the Spirit of God can move upon our hearts and lives radically and change the nature of our desires. See, we can be pulled from this direction and doing the things of this world or the things that, you know, don't please God. And then there's this desire because we want to please God and we want to walk with Him. And that's the incredible thing that He gives us, the authority to say yes to the things of God and no to the things of the world. So He has gifted us with a strong desire for the things of God. And He has also gifted us with the power. The Spirit of God can move upon our hearts with power. Breaking off the chains of addiction and habits, breaking off the power of sin, breaking the hold of attitudes and mentalities, because what Christ did on the cross we can access, for he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So we can access the power of God when we are working with our fleshly desires. He gives us the power to live in a way that pleases him. So we're not just calling on him to move again in our lives. We are calling on him to move again in our lives. And I know that I don't want to be the same as I was five years ago or even 10 years ago. And I think if we look at it, like in 10 years' time, when we're celebrating 10 years of Elevation Church, imagine if you can look at your life and be like, wow, this is what God has done in the last five years. He's transformed me and continuing to transform me. In James um, 4 verse 6, it says this. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who remembers that song back in the days? Yes. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. Double-minded people, be miserable, mourn and weep, and your laughter will change to mourning and your joy to sorrow. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So there's three things that we can take from this verse on how we can access the power for transformation within. The first one is humble ourselves. We need to first bow our knee and recognise that God wants to do more in our lives. That's the position that we must operate from. If the keys or the can come up now if you like, because we're about to close. But that's the position that we need to operate from, is humbling ourselves and surrendering. And sometimes, you know, we don't want to get down on our knees because maybe we're thinking, what, what will people think about me? Maybe you're in your bedroom. I loved the story that Marty shared the other week of John Wesley. That's correct, isn't it? Of how he would pray on his knees. But sometimes in our lives, we need to humble ourselves, humble ourselves before people, humble ourselves before God. Maybe we have to stop worrying what people are thinking about us and do what is right and humble ourselves and say, I humble myself before you, God. You know what? We haven't arrived yet. We're going to make mistakes along this journey. But we can long and strive to be more and more like Jesus Christ. We need to recognise that we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit desperately to help us each and every single day. And if you operate in your own strength, you'll succeed for a little bit. 
but then you will have a big setback. So when you're working with God, uh, humble yourselves, surrender yourselves and allow Him to work through you and have His inner strength to help you get through. That's what I'm loving about fasting at the moment. This is what we're doing as a church and Marty chatted about it. But listen to this by Wayne Grudem. says this, Fasting increases our sense of humility and dependence of the Lord. For our hunger and physical weakness continually remind us how we are not really strong in ourselves, but we need the Lord. Fasting allows us to give more attention to prayer. It is a continual reminder that just as we sacrifice some personal comfort to the Lord by not eating or Netflix or social media or drinking or anything, so we must continually sacrifice all of ourselves to Him. Therefore, in a symbolic way, fasting says to God that we are prepared to lay down our lives, that the situation be changed rather than it continue. The second point we've got, first humble ourselves. The second one from that verse is repent. To repent is to turn 180 degrees, it's to turn the other way. And you might be thinking, okay, great, just turn. How can we do it practically? Whatever you are believing for, whatever those sin issues are, find someone and have that accountability. Share with someone. Do you know there is power when you share with someone what may be going on in the inner world? It breaks the power. Satan no longer has a hold of you anymore. And it's like, if I just keep it in here and I don't tell anyone, and we just keep living in the dark. But actually, when we speak it out, it exposes it and brings it to the light. So I want to encourage you, repent to God, find that person who loves you and supports you and share with them and say, hey, will you walk with me? Will you journey with me? How else can you practically do it? Delete apps off your phone. Have an accountability system on your phone. Delete them. Repent, read your Bible. If you're binge eating, Get rid of those foods out of the house. Give them away to Elevation Pantry and I won't eat them, I promise. But get rid of it. Get rid of those temptations. Start small. If you have issues with issues with alcohol, start small and go, all right, it's one a week. It's on the weekend on at 5pm when I clock off. Start small and then it's like, okay, it's once a week. And find a person that can walk with you. Turn around 180 degrees. We must be surrendered to Him or there is no transformation. But by His grace, He cleanses our hands and He purifies our heart. And the last one is draw near. We seek after God and we cry out to Him and we call upon Him to move again. Because it says in His Word, if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. How great is that? Our Father God, He is always there. Sometimes it's us that's walked away from Him. But as we draw near to Him and as we take that step closer, He comes to us. We have to be wanting this. We have to be wanting this change in our lives. He's just waiting. He is just waiting And now, finishing with this, the end result is that God will lift us up and He will exalt us and He will move again. Why? 
because we've asked. In, in Philippians 1 verse 6, and it says this, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We're believing for more of God. We're believing for God to move in our hearts again. And just as we close our eyes and we bow our heads, the first call of action is the call to salvation. Last week there was a young...